2: The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast, your underrated Aston Villa podcast, joining me for uh, a return, no game obviously because of the uh, the Geordie COVID situation, but uh, joining me to uh, prime ourselves for the Wolves game and beyond. And to have a look at uh, how the Premier League is shaping up now that we're over a quarter of the season on. Mr. Chris Bud. Hello. Welcome back. How are you doing? Very well. And yourself?
0: Not too bad, thank you.
3: Well, hopefully, Mr. Phil Shaw will make you feel better. Welcome back, Phil.
0: Hello. Hello. I
3: know. I'll try it. Hello. Hello. I try to make everybody <laughs> feel
4: better.
3: We're going to have to resort to uh, the YouTube way of doing it. Hey, guys. The happy go lucky,
4: shiny happy And don't forget to time. like and subscribe. We're going to have to take that approach, I think. Do I have to take my top off or something like that? (laughs) Gets the clicks, Philip.
3: (laughs) What have you got up there? (sighs) Uh, Me and Bud were just, uh, while we are trying to uh, get this show running, uh, or recording, shall we say, uh, we were talking about the rugby situation. Uh, what, What is this Autumn Cup, just quickly?
0: It's like a, it's a bit of a filler thing. To, normally they'd have the autumn internationals, wouldn't they? Where you'd play New Zealand and all the Southern Hemisphere teams, and obviously no one can travel, so they're just playing the home nations. So they thought yeah. they'd knock together a little tournament. Because for the layman like myself, I thought it
3: was the Six Nations being postponed due to uh, COVID, but uh, then I saw like the Autumn Cup, and then that's why I was wondering. And England won both. I was just seeing the text coverage of it when I was looking for the football results, and uh, I think France were winning, and there was like a, literally a couple of minutes left, and people were saying, "Ah, oh, dire game, you know, no, this is you know not very good." And then uh, suddenly England out of nowhere, because nobody expected them to score a try, equalized. Then it went into overtime. And then uh, I thought, oh, should I watch this? And I I, I couldn't remember what it was on. It was on Amazon Prime. I could have just clicked a button and there it was. Anyway, saw the final result. And then you're looking at the comments of the game. Oh, great game. Great advert for rugby. This was, you know, this was amazing. No, it was shit. (laughs) How fickle are people? Like when they're losing, it's like oh, this is terrible. Oh, boring game. Oh, England never going to get you know never going to peg this back. And then when they win, it's like the great advert for rugby. It's like amazing. I know, yeah, man.
0: what sports fans would be fickle. <laughs> no <laughs> this idea. Never, never happens in
3: football, does it? Never happens in football. Never. <laughs> Moving on to uh, football matters, um, we'll look at uh, what's been happening. Not a lot in terms of uh, Aston Villa. We'll also uh, look at some three points uh, fans turn to the Premier League for the first time for a well for for a very long time Uh, also uh, Zlatan isn't very happy about uh, FIFA 21 and uh, what they're doing in terms of his uh, image rights and also we'll have a quick look at the World Cup draw and then we'll have a quick look at The Wolves game, not really a preview, more just like priming ourselves. And then, as I said uh, at the start, we'll look at how the uh, Premier League is shaping up. And uh, the over or underrated this week is Mr. Stephen Froggett from back in the day when Ron Atkinson uh, ruled the roost.
0: And had us challenging for things.
3: When we were at the other end of the table and we stayed at the, uh, the top end of the table. We didn't flake out after a few games.
0: We flaked out in April instead. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. When when the daffodils
3: appeared, <laughs> that's when we that's when we, when that's the when we started sprouted. to flake out. Yeah, when the hot dog sprouted. Uh not much happening really in the Villa verse. Uh it's been a
0: nicely quiet week.
3: The main thing was uh the sun was trying to do a hatchet job on Grealish already and uh throw Ross Barkley under the bus at the same time when they were saying that they were partying and making merry in in uh london town and had broken covid rules etc etc no evidence no video they mentioned this video which uh, never materialized there was no actual pictures from this event this is just somebody in the restaurants obviously uh grassed them up snitches get stitches as they say <laughs> But uh when you boil it down, I think the Aston Villa uh rebuttal to this—the spokesman from Aston Villa when they said uh it was very deadpan, actually—you could tell it was just like "shut the fuck up" was basically what this, they were saying. And it was like two guys from uh, who live in Tier Two, because Worcestershire's in Tier, tier Two. They're around that way, aren't they? Yeah, uh, went to a restaurant in Tier Two. And uh, it was actually, you know, Ross Barkley's birthday, so uh, that was the motivation. And they actually left at 7.45pm, so hardly uh, partying. I think having having a meal in a restaurant uh, is now considered partying, uh, according to the Sun, anyway. Uh, th- I mean, there was a breach of uh, COVID rules here, because uh, in Tier 2, you're not allowed to mix households uh, in a restaurant.
0: They're, b- they're virtually in a biosecure bubble, the one, though, not they the football team, so...
3: Yeah, this is the thing. They can play in European games, you know, like the English teams in Europe at the moment. They don't have to quarantine when they get back. So the Daily Mail picked it up as well and just quoted The Sun. But I think they were the only two real outlets that ran.
4: Yeah, it didn't get the traction that they they hoped it would. It was one of those ones where you looked and the, the tier rules are confusing at the best of times.
3: Yeah, but I just, I love the uh, the way that they frame these stories. I mean, where they'll pick out pictures of uh, them, you know, reveling from other times, like years ago. And uh, then just, oh, there was champagne there. There was this, there was that. Oh, they were partying hard. And it's like, yeah, well, they entered at three and left at 7.45. And uh Oh, know, uh, Ross Barkley was hugging somebody, you know, it could be his bloody mum or his girlfriend or whatever. There's absolutely no detail. And, you know, this is the way they operate, you know, all the time. In terms of injuries, Barkley, as as it's always been said, uh, will miss the Wolves game. I saw the Birmingham Mail running a story saying uh, Barkley looks uh, likely uh, to be back for the Wolves game. So, who you know should he play? Should Smith play him, and who should he take the place of? It's like, well, the guy who uh, f- filled in for him. And yes, he should play because he's you know one of our two top players. So, a uh, bit of a non-article really, for a change. <laughs> He's not expected uh, for the Wolves game anyway. So uh, Wesley uh, seems. If you have to pin a tail on a donkey, that well, I'm not calling him a donkey, but you know what I mean. <laughs> where where would you have him coming back? I'm I'm thinking third week January. Is I guess. guess.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they'll try and get him in the FA Cup. When's that? Second week of January, maybe. That might even be a bit too soon, but it might be that they try and get him involved. If he's you know, if he's built up a little bit of momentum.
3: Yeah, Heaton's played a couple of under twenty-three so far, and it seems to Smith seemed to uh, he did a little interview uh, over the weekend, seems to suggest he wanted to see him in a couple more games. And uh, Wesley Big Man backs in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the big man coming soon.
0: I know he's starting to do some running some running, isn't he? Oh yeah, he's, know, out he's, on the he's grass, starting.
3: He, he's running around and doing all kinds of stuff, but he's just it's uh he's in the final stages but he's not going to be playing games no, uh until a well. uh, couple of weeks or so and then you know
0: he'll need a few games to uh, get anywhere near up to speed you fancy being an underdeveloped under 23s player coming up against him though in a few in a months time that what the big man yeah the big <laughs> the big man back soon <laughs> but we'll see what's uh happening there trezeguet's had his head glued back together it looks like um gilbert courtney hawes are- close to being back in contention and then Engels may or may not be close as well he's had a disappointing start to the well first half of the season hasn't he so yeah. far yeah well really he's had a disappointing do... 12 months in general
3: yeah after early promise at the start of the season 2020's not been a good year for him no nah, well it's not been a good year for a lot of people the only other real news uh Aston Villa ladies lost 2-0 against Manchester United who uh they're top aren't they
0: yeah they're the looking good. good they're, good. they're a, you know they're a much more developed team than the Villa. So I'd say that's actually not a bad result to not get spanked by them because Man U have been putting putting plenty past a lot of people this season so far.
3: Yeah and, and they only got beat 2-0 by Manchester City and they and they basically gave those two goals away. Yeah, so yeah. uh, there seems to be uh, they've got a foot hold in in games, shall we say. Yeah, At the moment they've just got to beat the teams around them around them at the bottom just to uh stay in the league and uh develop further right anyway let's get on to the three points uh point number one fans have returned to the premier league uh in tier two at least Two thousand fans on the cup saw liverpool's 4-0 win against wolves uh, fans also uh west at west ham wasn't it and chelsea, yeah, games. chelsea were
0: there yeah and tottenham tottenham arsenal as well
3: yeah, Tottenham's kind of a bit funny with the old, you know, 60 thousand, and you've only got, well, I suppose uh, Anfield's 50 plus. Yeah, it's not, yeah,
0: Any observations from that quickly? It was strange just seeing, you know, you'll never walk alone being sung by a half empty cop. It was bizarre. You know, yeah. normally it's obviously you never see it empty and with all the flags and stuff, and it was just strange seeing all these games in general. You know, it suits, it's, yeah, it suits better for smaller teams, doesn't it, this, with small grounds.
4: Yeah, the acoustics were better for the broadcast audience at home, but it was yeah. a bit echoey. I mean, you, you never walk alone echoing around like a ghostly stadium.
3: Let's, you know, talk straight here. The You know, the big clubs didn't really matter. It's more, uh, it's optics, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a symbolic gesture. Well, the lower league teams where it does make, you know, it does make a big difference if you've got uh, even a thousand in. And the most important thing is you've got the revenue coming through the gates. But it's a step in the right direction. I mean, as I mentioned previously, Aston Villa, have actually got a certificate to allow 12,000 in. So if people start to get vaccinated and uh, the R number comes down, then you, you could see, uh, let's say the valve come off the drip feed a little bit and suddenly, you know, you've got 4,000 back, you've got 6,000, 8,000, you know, you could soon have 10,000 and you know you've got something of a proper crowd. But You'd hope r- so. We'll yeah, see.
0: You just, it'd be interesting. You know, obviously, once we get through Christmas with the restrictions being lifted, and then potentially the back end, you know, the, the tail of that, and then once you start seeing a mass rollout of vaccine etc how how fast or slow the momentum can be picked up for events I know I've got a friend of mine who's due to play at the O2 in February and that's a distanced gig but that's the start of indoor you know big larger gathering events so that'll be interesting as well
3: well Anthony Joshua is fighting uh, in a few days time and he's got a thousand going to uh, Wembley Arena so uh, and
0: they lobbied hard to get that so there's a uh, there's it's an just example just getting of... a little bit of momentum isn't it in certain areas but while there's t- tier three restrictions not much will change you know good for London,
3: yeah. Although I'm in Birmingham, but I'm at my actual borough is a uh, it's in the the lowest twenty percent in terms of uh, cases, so I would be in a tier two if you know if if the rest of the Birmingham uh, massive could uh, behave themselves.
0: Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we won't
3: mention where you live, Mister Burden. where well, you're in the above average zone, aren't yeah. you? We are in
0: general. It's just our it's yeah. just our motto. We're just above average in general.
3: <laughs> Chris Budd and his mates dragging the side down.
0: Sorry, it's the people of Sunny Sutton Coalfield. Just yeah. the the royal town letting it letting the uh, letting it down. Point number two: World Cup
3: qualifiers. World Cup qualifiers are always a bit boring, really, because they the are now aren't top they? top seeds. It's so diluted with all these other teams. Quite you know, big groups, five to six teams, and top seeds. I'm looking across here, and I, I don't see any top seed that's going to have any problems here, or shouldn't. Even have. bloody no, even bloody Denmark uh, could consider themselves uh, a favourite in that group. I mean, Austria, Scotland, England. If you don't know, have got our old friends, the Poles. I mean, it's getting ridiculous now in terms of World Cup qualifying. This is the—I uh, mean, Eng- England play Poland pretty much every other qualifiers. This is the one, two, three, four, five, six. This is the seventh time since '74 that we've played them in the World Cup qualifiers, and actually, I would consider them one of the
0: hardest uh, second seed teams, especially away from home. You think that's poten- Yeah, potentially a difficult away game.
3: Yeah, I mean Turkey. Sweden. These are the only teams that really, in terms of second seeds, that kind of match that. I mean, you know, you've got Slovakia, Austria, Ukraine, Switzerland, Wales. Somebody said they were third seeds. You would say, "Oh, okay." Because there's so many groups. There's ten groups. That's why the uh, there's a lack of depth in terms of quality in the groups. Anyway, uh, whatever, whatever. You know, you know, business as usual in those kind of groups. England, just for the record, I've got Poland, Hungary, Albania, Andorra, San Marino the irish have got portugal serbia luxembourg and azerbaijan scots denmark austria israel they always get israel faroe islands and moldova but the main the main talking point which surfaced was uh, we know that this whole qatar thing was a uh, we, we, do we even have to say the word allegedly uh, there's a bit of corruption to it but uh, the 22 people who actually voted on the outcome of this decision these are people that w- were working at fifa at the time who vote of those 22 15 of them are now either banned from F- fifa for life suspended imprisoned or fighting extradition to the US to face federal charges. Only one still actually works for FIFA. So that tells you really all you need to know. And this was, you know, this voted for the Russian World Cup as well at this time. So there was lots of bloody backhanders going around there. There's so much money in
0: football, it's impossible for it not to be corrupt. It's just shambolic. I mean, to be fair, you hope that Qatar put on as good a show as the Russians did, which to be fair was actually a good tournament and good stadiums, etc. And the people who went there said they had a great time, but Qatar is going to be a very, very different tournament to anything we've seen before because it looks like it'll be more like an olympic games on a on a site um, you know there won't it's, be as I much mean, travel it, etc it's going to be a very different cultural experience for fans going over as well the days of like fan parks and getting smashed i think will be a very different experience to yeah there, a i European mean it wouldn't happen there
3: part. anyway but there's a you know there's a there's a pandemic as well and uh, that's going to put, put you know people are going to ease their way into travelling again and yeah. uh, and a place like that it's uh, it's not the the kind of easiest trip with obviously the the laws etc so I think we're going to, you know, because we've got used to football as a television spectacle, I think this is going to be a real World Cup television spectacle as well. Yeah. But, you know, it's just all about the money there. And there's people living in big mansions built off the back of this or living on islands that they've bought with the, their ill-gotten gains. Point number three, uh, Mr. Ibrahimovic is uh, he's kind of being quite outspoken about EA Sports and FIFA, doesn't like his face being used. Uh, Phil,
4: sure, you know more about this. Why is why is he got beef? Well, I mean, for for a start, the um, PlayStation Five and the, the new Xbox, right? And FIFA dropped on it this week, and uh, it's almost photorealistic. So there's obviously a lot of fuss and, and hype about it. Um, but Zlatan, so they've so they've sorted out John McGinn and Jack Grealish this time. Yep, they don't look like aliens anymore. They're <laughs> they <laughs> or are or pigs. No, <laughs> but um. <laughs> I think there's a Zlatan and his agent, uh, Riola, Mino Riola, that uh, the same one as Pogba has. Uh, I think they either smell a bit more money to be made in this, or they, they don't like the fact that FIF Pro, who are the, the basically the professional players' union, they are going to crack down on agents so they're starting they're making a bit of a, a song and dance about it because there is big money in fifa especially i mean even last if, if you look at last year even this year 2020 fifa has made 1.5 billion dollars just around the world wow. in the game yeah so um this when this the...
3: sounds a bit like musicians and spotify if you ask me <laughs> it's got something about it, but i'm sa- i'm saying nothing the talent not actually getting money
4: yeah it's uh, it's a strange target to pick on because because faith Pro are a non-profit organization and they do put money into the game in the various different unions. So Zlatan and Raiola have benefited from FIFA Pro and the exposure over the years. And now just to pick this point to have a go at them, it's there seems to be something else in the, in the works. But if you look at, the, like I said, if you look at the likenesses in FIFA now, it's it's almost photorealistic. So. Isn't
3: there like a queue of players that might join them in this?
4: Uh... Yeah, well, it could be like what they would get in America, like a class action suit. I mean, Gareth Bales threw his hat in the ring because he... Um, like stuck it on Twitter as well but uh, Riola thinks there's 300 players that are going to take this as a, like a class action because the of individual rights rather than you see EA just walks up with the checkbook and goes to Fief Pro and says right can we have all the players likenesses and names and they go yep okay thanks for the money but now players that have individual image rights they're looking at their piece of the pie on it
3: yeah well it'd be interesting to see uh, how that rolls out we, we actually featured something on three points similar to this on in terms of imaging rights and uh, players actually wanting to get more of a direct uh, piece of the pie but uh, the reason actually uh, escapes me what it actually was uh, moving back to the Villaverse uh, it's been so stop start hasn't it since that international break
0: well all the international breaks now, we've had three long ones this season and now we've had a another break for the Newcastle game. So every time Villa have got a bit of momentum, it just it's stuttery and that's that kind of sums up how we've our season's been in general in terms of form. I mean
3: first game of the season was postponed so there was that so we were playing catch up from the off and then yeah those two international breaks and then suddenly you're just thinking right we against uh west ham we had so many chances i mean we we blitzed them for a team that were regarded as being in form and you know decent oh yeah you do well to get a point off them where we you know we blew them they had two shots they scored them both and uh we just thought well there's nothing wrong with us going forward apart from the bloody finishing and uh if you can just focus on that we need a game sap and uh, we we actually had one we had two games in a week but there's positives though isn't there phil for having that game postponed can you guess them two
4: distinct positives well one of them is that we'll get to have ross barkley back whenever the game is eventually played yeah what's the second one i got i got a friday night off to sit in front of the playstation
3: (laughs) well so did the players That's what I'm saying. Uh, there was that thing where, like, you know, you're putting the fixtures together. I mean, Jurgen Klopp likes to uh, moan about uh, the fixtures, and uh, probably rightly so. Uh, you know, after Europe, you don't really want to be playing half 12 games. But here we are, needlessly playing on a Monday night and a Friday evening, which is like, oh, come on, you know, why have two weekday games in a, in the fixtures? doesn't kind of make any sense in terms of, you know, player fatigue, etc. So anyway, we, we dodged a bullet there. But suddenly now we're uh, we're in the bottom half of the table,
0: two games in hand, and uh, you're playing catch-up. Yeah, it's frustrating for Smith. And I'm sure the players, they'd have wanted to get out after the West Ham game and just make make amends, I think. They'll have been very, very frustrated. I think they'd have been frustrated with the draw at West Ham, let alone a, wit, um, a defeat. So they will have been equally frustrated, especially after Brighton. You know, that's two games they'd have looked at and thought, we should have taken points from both of those games. They've had a really kind of bumpy run the last sort of, four or five games to be honest.
3: Yeah, I think Smith did mention uh, in a recent interview that uh, there was definitely a focus uh, with you know with this added break on uh, I thought he was going to say finishing because I thought that was top of the list, but uh, his focus was on you know the the defensive mistakes because when you look at it, I mean overall as a team in terms of defend how we've defended it I mean it was a continuation of uh, the improvement in project restart where with the you know how we've restricted teams to actual shots on target is, is quite remarkable. I mean Martinez literally hasn't had many saves to make he's mainly been picking the ball out of his net because uh, of, of the last nine efforts on target we've conceded eight you know West Ham two shots scored them both Brighton three shots scored two of them. Southampton four shots on target in the game all four in it's it's kind of ridiculous isn't it
0: yeah we're just getting punished for mistakes and that's that's probably because we're missing chances it's our sort of thing of we're not looking after our own little footballing karma as we mentioned in the in the previous show you know if you if you're clinical in front of goal and you take your chances um you'll get you know you're going to get the rewards and fit have shown that you know we've when we've taken the lead we've won games but we're falling behind in games and at stupid times and not Getting a foothold back in games.
3: Yeah, because the bottom line is we're defensively sound because we don't give teams many chances, like, let's say, real good chances, apart from, you know, the Leeds game where uh, they kind of ran amok. But the thing is, you can't, you know, we are conceding a minimum of two goals a game and you you don't win many
4: games if you're conceding two goals every game.
0: No. No, it's like you're back to like last year's form, aren't you?
4: Yeah, and there's no real, there's nothing you can really put your finger on at the minute. It is you don't you you don't want to say luck, but it it, it just seems to be that Villa get punished while for their mistakes, while other teams that make mistakes, especially against us, we're not punishing them at the at the, the crucial points in the matches. Nope, yeah. I'd
0: agree with that. And it will be you know like that you get the VAR thing, and you know another day Watkins penalty hits the bar and goes in, or you know it's 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 fine margins, but the fine margins against liverpool where we were getting you know deflections and they were going in so it kind of le- maybe it levels out i don't know
3: yeah no it's uh, i mean the goals we have conceded have, have haven't been like we're not you know we're not sitting there going oh it's a good goal we are going like what what are you doing <laughs> who, why, who are you marking you know who's marking that 7 foot center back who's just kind of arrived late to nod at home unchallenged
0: well, i mean we i'll give us i'll give him our dues, man you know we, we're getting creative in our ways to shoot ourselves in the foot We've seen to so we just yeah. find a way at the moment somehow. Like even when we play really well, you think, well, Villa. You always feel even when we're playing well, um, you always think, well, we, we're going to make a mistake. We'll, Villa will always give you a chance. We always have, even like when we've been very good in the Premier League. Traditionally, we've always given you a chance. And now I, I look, I look at our home form, for instance, and uh, you know, as much as you know, in, early in the season, we thought Villa won't fear anyone. I don't think anybody will fear coming to Villa Park at the moment. I think every team will think well, there's, there's points to be got here and there's definitely goals to be got.
3: Have you seen our home record? <laughs> That's what
0: I mean. <laughs> I think
3: in our current form, I think what, we're the second worst. Is that yep. correct?
4: Yep. We're equal with the baggies. And they are shit.
3: Not a good look to be equal with the baggies.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care.
2: Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: Is uh when you look at uh like the Brighton game and the West Ham game, that could have, you know, could easily has have been the similar result to the Liverpool game in terms of the chances we had and the guilt-ed chances we had. And you know, if a VAR decision goes the right way, well the way it should have gone and you know, penalties put away we're, we're, we're you know we're ransacking uh, west ham and we should have uh, beaten brighton as well with the amount of uh, ammunition we were firing at them so i'm not concerned at the moment because uh, if you're not creating chances that's a problem and, and we've been through that batch before with like lambert where we'd have like one you know one shot and goal over the over the space of three games it, it was getting uh pretty uh depressing
0: or even early after the rough after the restart After the restart, we weren't making chances. We tried to be defensively sound, but we just stopped looking like offering anything going forward.
3: Yeah, so I mean, when you boil down what what we're talking about, we're talking about a team that restricts the opposition to minimal chances and just makes silly mistakes. And we're talking about a team that creates a shitload of chances and is uh, struggling to put them away at the moment. Now that's two very good things in there, and that's the hallmarks of a very good team. If if you're restricting the opposition to minimal chances and you're many yourself I mean that's like the blueprint for a successful team so are we just talking about tweaking a few things
0: I think so I think it's 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 becoming it's just getting our killer instinct back and making sure we can strike early in games I think when we take the lead we seem to be okay because then teams have to open up and it it plays into our hands a little bit
4: yeah there's a there's a slight bit of overplaying as well whenever we're we're having that shot in the box I mean um, Jack's goal against West Ham was you know he hit that perfect at the perfect time he had a, took it early balls in the net but you look at all our, most of our other chances there there's either an extra touch or we're trying to make sure i mean when Watkins squared that ball for Trezeguet to have that horrendous miss, and on another day Watkins might have take might have took the shot, and you know Trezeguet yeah. wouldn't have been in the equation. So there's just we're trying to make too sure of the goals. Because some of the goals uh, Watkins scored when he's taken earlier. they're, they're
3: great goals. He's been in areas where you're not expecting him to score or even pull the trigger from there.
0: No, I mean like the the second one against Liverpool, that is everything you want in a striker, isn't it? It's just a great goal. It's just a bit frustrating, isn't it? More than anything, because you you look at the table and you can see where we should be. Really, there's no reason. You know, we're not a. We don't realistically think we're a title challenger this season, but there's no reason right now where we couldn't be a top four, top six side just on games that we should yeah. have won. And it's not an unrealistic goal at the moment.
3: The Grand National, uh, you know, you want to be there after uh, you know a few laps, and and it doesn't mean you're going to win the bloody race. But at the moment, we should. Be in the top six, even though we have uh, we should, two yeah, games we down. In, we should be in amongst it, definitely.
0: Especially having seen the overall standard of the league. I now, mean, every, everyone's been a bit clunky at the start of the season, really.
3: Yeah, it's like you know, Manchester City have decided. All oh, right, uh, the twenty twenty one season's just started now, and they've been patchy as hell. And actually, they're. Uh, I think they've got a game in hand against us.
0: If they win that, they're like three points off the top. Well, they've been very underwhelming. I mean, even though you know the champions Liverpool. You think they haven't been? I mean, the game against us obviously was an anomaly, but they've been pretty, their form has been pretty patchy, but they're they're kind of looking like they're just ramping up now and even with the injuries that you, you still look at them and think they're probably the team to beat still.
3: Yeah well I think those injuries aren't uh, ideal shall we say that so that's made them kind of mortal although you know they've, they've only lost one
0: so far. I think it's going to go down to the wire this season I think it could be a really good end to the season at the top of the table it wasn't, you know unlike last year where they were they were so far ahead and all the, the drama was down the bottom I think it could be the other way around this season.
3: Uh, So yeah I mean at the moment the, the three teams that have only lost one I think that's the biggest clue to suggest they might uh, be there for the long haul. You know, you're looking at Spurs, Liverpool and Chelsea. Leicester, I mean, they're like, they've won seven, lost four, so they're kind of a, they have their day... But uh, in terms of consistency, it's you're looking at the teams who've lost the, the least. Manchester City have only lost two, actually, as well. And, you know, one of those was against Spurs. So they're not uh, they're not shambolic. It's just that they haven't really moved through the gears yet. Sorry, going back to the Wolves. Wolves, I don't think are the team they were last season. I mean, losing uh, Yota to uh, Liverpool. I mean, you, you know, what we watched the Liverpool game and uh, they
0: were definitely missing somebody up uh, up top. Well, Liverpool looked good. They didn't look as good at the back either. Wolves—they just—they lead this. You know, if you lose two players like Jimenez and Yotta, of course you're going to miss them. You know, they're two very, very good players. And Wolves don't you know. I think they've got a really good starting lineup, but they haven't got depth in their squad. Yeah.
3: Do you think Phil uh, they should have done more against uh, Liverpool's makeshift? I mean, backline also keeper as well.
4: They definitely should have because looking ahead, the our game, it's a, it's. I hope we play in the counter attack and give Wolves the the lion's share of the ball because Liverpool actually played in the counter and gave the ball to Wolves, but they just knew that the Wolves attack was going to break down sort of on the edge of the Liverpool box because they had no no cutting edge, and then all of a sudden Liverpool just in transition straight up the pitch and had chance after chance. So. There's a there's that's the way we played against Liverpool. So if we can sort of and Arsenal, so if we can replicate that, give Wolves the ball and then just whenever it breaks down then we strike, then I think that's the the key to success. And well I hope it is anyway. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Villa have to see it as an, as an opportunity, I think.
4: Well, every game's an opportunity.
0: No, but it's an opportunity. I think in the previous years when we've gone to Wolves, they have been a much better side than us. They've been in much better shape probably the last three or four times we've played them at Molineux. Yeah, because after that, then it's the old
3: Christmas uh, fixtures. And, yeah, you know, we, we do need points, I think. We've, we've got to stay uh, amongst it uh, or else suddenly we've got nothing to play for. And then it becomes a bit... Because uh, I, you know, I don't think we're going to get relegated, but we do need points, I think, in the Christmas... Christmas period to make sure we don't get relegated because those teams below Burnley. Even the baggies, you know, and Fulham are starting to twitch, and there's a, there's some life in them. So all that, all their, you know, there are a couple of wins away of you know dragging us back into uh, actually thinking about uh, the the bottom six or so.
0: I think it's just important you put points on the board over Christmas because you, you look at who we have got to play now, and all of a sudden you're seeing a bit of form developing in Chelsea, Man United. We've got them back to back. All of a sudden, the games against Burnley on the seventeenth, and I think it's Palace, isn't it, on Boxing Day? That's two important home games
3: yeah because uh up until now the first quarter you're playing teams and they haven't really got it I- either they haven't got their you know an identity down or they haven't got into gear but we'll certainly be playing manchester united and chelsea and it will be almost like the status quo has has returned so to speak yeah it's certainly, so, certainly uh, looking that way isn't it yeah we we, we could do with uh blitz in a couple of other teams in in december just to keep people on their toes thinking that the uh, Liverpool and Arsenal games weren't anomalies. Uh, Liverpool, Manchester City not at the levels of uh, recent seasons. Uh, would you just put it down to Liverpool's injuries? Because I think Klopp's quite good in terms of motivating them to go again to try to win the league again because it's always hard to retain but I think he's in terms of man management he knows how to do it but uh, they have been crippled a, a little
4: bit obviously with old Virgil and Gomez. It's strange Liverpool because I think whenever they had the league one last season in lockdown, there was a noticeable drop off in intensity, which was expected, and it's taken them a while to get that sort of flick that switch back on again. Uh, obviously, we've seen what happened against them, and when we played them, and they had Van Dijk and they had Gomez, and it didn't do them any use. Uh, yeah. But uh, n- now without them, you can sort of see there's a bit of a siege mentality at Liverpool. It's like they're moaning the whole time about the five subs, their injuries going down left, right and centre and Klopp's going to use that to sort of galvanise yeah. Liverpool and that's why you, you see them put in a performance like they did against Wolves.
0: Yeah, all of a, all of a sudden everything's not going their way like it has the last couple of years. You know they've they've kept their team very settled generally the last few years.
4: I think Klopp's trying to
3: get a bit of a bunker bunker down mentality. You know yeah. the world's against well, it's us, like, as a uh, way of like Ferguson. A always way of motivating. Be. Ferguson yeah. used to
0: didn't it? It used to work wonders for them.
3: Yeah, it's definitely a ploy. Uh, where, do, where do you see Manchester City finishing based on what you've seen? But I mean, for them to suddenly appear, you know, in the seventh, and they've they've been languishing. They've won three out of the last five. Do you see them as a top four team or challenging yeah. for the title ultimately? Legitimately. Yeah. So you just think it's a slow start?
0: Yeah, I think it's a slow start. I think they've got enough firepower and it'll be interesting to see if they go in hard in January buying players. I, th- I think because it you won't get a runaway leader, I don't think, this year, it, it could be that it's any one of about three or four teams come April or May. It could be really, really good running, especially when Liverpool get all their players back fit. I think if Chelsea, all their new big guns, if they all click, they could be tasty. You wonder with Spurs, as well as their playing and Mourinho seems to have them gelling, you just think if they were to lose Son or Kane like they did last season, um, which you never know, it might, it might, this might be their lucky year where the, the injuries don't cripple them like they did previously. I think if they stay, if they keep their big players fit, Spurs will be in and amongst it, but there's definitely a different mentality. I mean, you know, we're at the top of the league at the
3: moment, so people get excited and start talking about titles and all that. Well, I mean, we know too much about Spurs to uh, take that seriously, but this is, you know, Mourinho Spurs. They look
0: like they look, yeah, they look like a Mourinho team. They look, they've got a lot. They're more a bit more shorthandsery, yeah. And they're a winning team now. They're not necessarily playing to entertain. They're playing to win.
3: Yeah, and this has always been a problem. with Spurs was when it came to the big games. Did they have like the toughness? And you know they've taken ten points out of twelve when they've played the traditional big teams. You know they've beaten Arsenal, beat Manchester United six-one beat manchester city and then drew against chelsea so that shows you that they they're on a par with those teams so they'll be uh you know mentally buoyed by that so i think i think they'll be there or thereabouts but it's uh it spurs it doesn't matter about Mourinho. it's still spurs <laughs> <laughs> if you know what that means kids anyway southampton will win the league so that's the end of that conversation right anyway uh looking forward to next week when we actually get to talk about uh, an aston villa game so let's wrap this off uh well first of all i just want to say thank you as always to uh, the my old Said patrons for supporting the show also uh, especially this week thank you to uh, tim dixon for uh becoming an annual member if you become an annual member you get uh, 15 off which is two months free and also thanks very much to uh, dale buckler as well for upgrading his pledge as well uh, if you want to uh, support the show and join us in match club first of all for the wolves game and and then the rest of the games for the season which is uh it's essentially a, a, a podcast that takes place live which everybody just it's a bit of a bum rush, isn't it? Everybody joins in, but uh, first of all, the match club is you're not allowed to talk about match club. So uh, join us in there. or Also, you get extra shows as well, which I'm just uh, sorting out a new link for. I've, I've got a couple uh, ready to go, but I'm just sorting out with uh, one of the providers who uh, who basically look after the uh, the, the bonus shows and, and get the feeds to you. There's there's going to be a, a switch but uh, for some reason it's not actually working at the moment. But uh, anyway, if you join us as a patron, you'll get extra shows and join us in Match Club as well as other. it's the inner circle of My Man Said basically. Go to myoldmansaid.com and click on the patron link for more details there. Right, to round off the show, as per usual it's time for a little underrated or overrated right on the show somebody who was it's probably a matter of what could have been mr steve froggitt a fellow lincoln man like myself used to actually uh play against steve froggitt like under 12 under 11 under 13 age and then he actually joined the club that I used to play for Sunday League when I left them but uh, so let's uh, put him through the under and over ringer how did Villa come across Steve Froggett
0: He came up through the uh, the youth ranks didn't he I think it was Graham Taylor who gave him his break very early on Um, and then it would have been Ron Atkinson who brought him into the uh, brought him into the first team fold. Actually,
3: I think Ron Atkinson turned up in Lincoln uh, for his one of his birthday parties when he was a young chap and did a bit of uh, karaoke. But I think he promised him that he would make him England's left back ultimately. A big obviously, statement. obviously as a winger, but a lot you know as we've seen with Maddie Cash, uh, wingers do transition into uh, fullbacks, um, and some good examples of that. Uh, hopefully, Maddie Cash will be a good example of that. Yeah, hopefully. I was really surprised because I'd lost touch with because I when he uh, when he joined the team that I used to play with, I kind of just lost interest of playing football on, at a weekend, and uh, so I lost all that kind of scene, and I didn't know where these players turned up, or whatever. So when Froggett suddenly was at Villa, I was like, How the fuck did that happen? because <laughs> he, cause he used to play in this team, which were pretty much, they were called Lowlands. They were cherry-picked players from around Lincolnshire. And uh, like, for example, my Sunday League team was, let's say when we're going back a few, you know, to like under 13 level. We we're probably like second or third best team. But when we played Lowlands, I remember playing in a couple of preseason games and we got beat 15 1 and 15 0. Out. And, uh, and, but the funny thing is, a couple of seasons before, before I, I joined this team, I, I, by the way, it's not down to me that they turned <laughs> shit. They so set that one up, did you? I set that one <laughs> up big time. But Lowlands played uh, Washingborough with the team in a cup final. This is under-11s. And I went there because I had a lot of friends in the Lowlands team. And Washingborough beat them 1-0. So Froggett and everybody were were like in tears because they couldn't believe because they thought they were kind of invincible because they'd walked through this team in the league. So this one-off cup game. And then uh, fast forward two seasons and we're in a cup final against them, having been beaten 15-1 by them in pre-season. So we're pretty much like end end of season we got the best form so we're the second best team around and we play in a final, a team that's beaten us 15-1. So that's the goal in class. I think they beat us 5-1 in that final. remember like Lincoln City players were handing out the trophies. Uh, I think I was on the right side and Froggett was playing on the left, but it never, you know, he wasn't anybody in that team that really, he wasn't their main man or anything. So when it he popped up, I expected a few of them. I think Johnny Kerrigan was their captain he turned up as an actor on Casualty like a regular mm-hmm. and, uh, and there's you know a few other bits and bobs from that team so Froggett, you never saw anything of him they, on the right wing there this player who was like a fucking bullet train he was like the fastest player I've pr- probably ever played against so uh, when Froggett turned up at Villa I was like what happened to the rest of the guys because they must be playing yeah. for Barcelona <laughs> and Real Madrid <laughs> but no but alas not Froggett was the man who made it and uh, age 18 the first real uh, eye opener was that uh, that kind of worldy, out, was it outside of the left foot? It just went like yeah, John yeah. Motson described it as an arrow. It just went straight in the top-hand corner yeah, against very Swindon. similar to
0: the Steve Staunton goal against Manu, wasn't it, at Swindon in the FA Cup?
3: Back heel was by Richardson. Froggerts,
2: uh-oh, we've got trouble here. It's York and Regis, if he makes ground on the far side, can have an open run here. But it's still York and still Dwight York and he lost his balance. This is Parker and now it's Froggerts. And there's the shot, and what a goal by the 18-year-old, Stephen Froggart. Well, (laughs) if York hadn't made a mess of it, we would have been denied that superb goal after 63 minutes. Steve Froggart, only 18. We'll remember this cup tie. Look at that, a left foot shot like an arrow in the top corner.
3: Because I remember Froggett scored uh, a very similar goal again. I think this was his like speciality, the old left foot into the opposite top-hand corner. Uh, it was for Coventry against Everton. Yeah. I think he played 70, let's have a look, 75 games in the Premier League for Villa and the, the Cov. And he only scored four goals. Uh, so was it two of those for Villa? Premier League goals. Yes, yeah. But then he scored the Swindon goal, so that's three in total for Villa. Yeah, and that worldie for Coventry.
0: Yeah. The main thing about, you know, Froggett was his injuries. That's kind of what, unfortunately, he's he's remembered for, isn't it? Of a, a good player when what could have been, but he just never, never got the games and couldn't be relied on.
3: He used to... Because uh, my friend, uh, his father was uh, good friends with where well, he used to play with him in this lowlands team but his fa- their fathers were uh, also very good friends so we we were in touch a bit when frog it was playing for villa more like in the yeah about 93 i think 94 season he got us tickets for a couple of games and we sat with him uh when, when he was injured once i think it was the uh, newcastle game the first thing i remember about that we were like sitting up in the trinity with him chatting away and there's suddenly a big hole appeared at the front of the halt and loads of people started spilling onto the pitch and it was, and then they're all running down the side, running to the away end because it loads of Geordies had got into the hole and it all, <laughs> all kicked off. <laughs> Big hole appeared, like a, kind of a vortex opened in the middle of the front of the hole and you know, they're all scurrying back to the away end. I mean, it's quite funny, you had to kind of laugh uh, obviously there's, you know, a few punches or whatever thrown, but they were, you know, they, it was back in those days, you used to try to take the opposition's cop end, didn't you? But anyway, he was sitting there and he had this new suit on Frogger and, so you know, complimentary in on his new suit so you know we're talking about his injury and it's like um it's you know it's sad story because you want to see him you know fit and playing and uh then he's telling us about uh, you know i'm sure you'll really uh really be happy that i'm telling you this but i've just got this fucking amazing memory that memorizes every little story so uh continue (laughs) (laughs) but uh anyway so you know it's all you know hard luck story about his injury and then uh, he just been on holiday to Majorca with his girlfriend at that time and after a couple of days split up with his girlfriend in the middle of the holiday and she flew back early so it's coming up to half time in this game and it's, it's just been like the first half of like uh, poor old Steve's hard luck stories and he gets up and he's just walking off he goes oh, I'm going to go half time in the changing rooms you know with Big Ron and everybody oh, so we'll see seeing in the second half and I look up and I see he's, he's sat in chewing gum and it's all up the back of his new suit <laughs> and I'm like Steve Steve I've got more bad news for you has he got
0: chewing gum all down your new suit oh no it's like poor old Steve Froggett can't the guy catch a break for God's sake and then later in that year another bad break for him of course when he got himself fit he played a number of games had a little run in the team and was playing reasonably well. And then he found out on the day of the cup final, he wasn't even in the match day squad Cause, because Villa, Villa, changed the, uh, Villa changed the system, didn't they?
3: He wasn't, uh, he wasn't fit because we called him on the night before and he knew then he wasn't playing the next day yeah, because he was telling us they were practicing on some hockey pitches nearby and, you know, to basically replicate the Wembley turf and uh, I th- we knew then that he wasn't playing it was like a touch and go race to be fit but still I mean he, you know he's got the memory of celebrating and everything I mean he who knows he may have been the uh the Fenton
4: yeah the mm-hmm. Fenton card you never know what I remember about Fraud was he much like Wesley he was the first player that I had heard of that had one leg longer than the other, other than, um, was Gorincha. So that always stuck in my head. And then, so it's, his injuries just made him disappear off the map. And then, he just popped up, popped up again. Wolves, and then the the Coventry goal that he scored as well. But I just think himself to, to have to be injured in three bad tackles. I mean, he, he is really unlucky. That is that is the word that's going to be tagged on him forever. It's kind of interesting because he played on the
3: left hand sides where Grealish, uh, you know, has been playing. But you look at the the f- physique of both of the players and completely diff- different different uh, types of frames. Because Froggett was like the kind of like kind of light and slight. Kind where of he's old built school, built more like a fallback. Yeah, old school kind of winger. Well, Grealish is a. He's got that kind of Gaelic rugby background where he's he kind of used to thrive on getting kicked and uh, pushed around. But he's also built himself up when he uh, when he was also out injured. You know. F- Physically, he just built himself up into a, a kind of a man just through, uh, you know, is it Ollie Stevenson, the PT there? I think mean, the injuries Grealish had have been kind of freakish ones as opposed to... Uh, yeah, especially the liver one. Getting, yeah, getting kicked and tackled. No player has been kicked and tackled more, or fouled, shall we say. Ever. Than, than Grealish ever. <laughs> <laughs> especially in the history of the Premier League before, uh, when football started. But... Uh, but yeah, so I think that's part of uh, the difference. Grealish, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm touching wood here, has has kind of made himself, let's say, football injury resistant to a certain level.
0: Well, he's just he's stronger, isn't he? He's a proper athlete.
3: Are they saying that Ashley Young was quite slight, and he was a player? Once you've seen him in a few games, because he used to get kicked a lot and win a lot of free kicks, and he'd always get up. He did dive, though. Let's be honest, and he dived as well. Yeah, but so that's what I'm saying. You, you kind of have to learn the player's behaviour when you're watching, you know. When you're actually at this, you know, Villa Park. And when you see Ashley Young, you used to see some players go down who would never go down and you thought, oh shit, they're off. And then you'd see Ashley Young go down and you go, oh, he's off for that. And then you'd get up and you'd be like, as good as gold. Like, a minute later.
0: um, I compare someone like Froggart with, you know, the guys who would. You know, had their, their careers blighted by injuries. Like in more recent years, you know, we've had like Keelan Davis or someone like Andre Green. And they're all like sort of soft tissue injuries. Steve Frogger had bad injuries, didn't they? Yeah. Like really bad career-ending mm-hmm. tackles. Yeah. And, and he's just, retired, just, at, just luck. retired at 29. Yeah. Which really, when he should have been in his peak, you know, he'd just been called into the England squads and then couldn't couldn't actually fulfill, you know, fulfil obviously a boyhood dream of actually getting a full England cap. Yeah, so really unlucky for him, having you know got into the squad under Kevin Keegan, albeit in a very sort of hit and miss England team in that era. Um, but fair play, getting in the squad, but they never actually got to got to get, got to get on the field.
3: No, I mean it's a it's a travesty when it happens. I mean, I mentioned Gary Shaw earlier on, and that is in terms of Aston Villa history. That's it's probably right, right up there as yeah. uh, players that were cut down by injuries, and you know even to this day, I, I still. Uh, feel sadness about that because you know this was like a, a real favorite player as a kid and then you know he gets injured I think it was against Forrest and suddenly he he can't be the player that he was you know he, he just physically can't be that player anymore so he kind of just fades away and you know, ends up going to Warsaw or wherever and then uh, yeah it's a shame yeah. with
0: the player like that isn't it when they've, they've clearly shown more than enough that you think well long term they could be a really iconic player yeah, not that he isn't in the club's history anyway, but in terms of what he could have been, he was massive. I mean, I don't necessarily think Froggatt's on that level, but he could he could have potentially been a, a, a sort of a long running sort of squad type player.
3: I mean the th- the theme here. If you're looking at Froggitt and Shaw, and you throw in, like let's say Michael Owen, who was uh, compromised by injuries, these are players that were playing top top level football in while they were teenagers. So maybe that has something to do with it. I mean, Michael Owen suddenly he didn't have the pace after. Uh, you know there's a couple of serious injuries he had still good enough to score against Villa in the fucking League Cup final uh, for Manchester mm. United on one and, uh, leg
0: <laughs> on one leg in uh, 2010 wasn't that due to Carlos Cuellar and his turning circle of the Titanic
3: <laughs> everybody had written Owen enough, and uh, Ferguson Wiley Fox knew uh, we'll get him in a, it'll piss off Liverpool fans big time like big big time
0: and he scored some big goals for them didn't he as well? and
3: yeah he'll, he'll pop up with the odd important goal and well he won them a league cup which which Ferguson couldn't do the first time he tried against us just put that bit in but well, you've got it <laughs> anyway sorry going back to uh, Mr Stephen Froggitt
4: underrated oh sorry where, where is he now well, now he is working as a mortgage advisor in Solihull and he is a pundit for the BBC. You would hear him on uh, Match Days in Radio 5 the odd time. Wait, I think he was... Part of the
3: setup of uh, environmental services business, and then uh, obviously the the kind of BBC punditry West Midlands as well. All right, well, anyway, uh, let's let's give him the verdict. Well, I, I'm, I I can only go go one way just from that uh, tale I re reencountered where he got so much bad luck. So can't can't cast more uh, shade his way in terms of uh, underrated or overrated. Anybody who gets that kind of amount of injuries while he was at Villa, it's uh, it's not really getting a fair crack of the whip, is it? So I'm going underrated.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go underrated. I think he had the the potential to be a not necessarily a star for Villa, but certainly a sort of a solid player. And the fact that he came up for the youth system, you know, it wasn't like he was a high you know high cost player that was a disaster as like a, you know a bad signing or anything. I think we got money for him when we sold him to to the Wolves in the end. So.
3: I like how Chris always does the uh, the finan- runs through <laughs> the financials before declaring overrated or
4: underrated.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go underrated <laughs> like you.
4: Yeah, I think you can you can only go underrated as well. I mean the guys who unlock I don't want to say anything about them. Yeah. Right, so
3: right, let's leave it at that. Uh Thank you very much for listening to the show as normal. make sure you subscribe on either Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your uh, podcast so you get notifications for when the shows pop out. If you're out there and you want to uh, make a smile at Christmas, please do buy a Myoman said T-shirt or a mug or something from the Merch stand online and uh, well buy somebody a My Old Man said merch present, maybe. Oh, secret Santa! I'm gonna Yeah, there you go. I'm going to add a couple of other things on there. But anyway, uh, let's get out of here. I look forward to uh, discussing the Wolves game. Hopefully it won't be uh, five out of six that we've lost. Hopefully we will turn the corner, put away chances, shore up the defence and start marching up that league to get amongst the European Places party for 2021. Until then, until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from
4: them. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>